flaming fish performance models, handmade miniature wooden sailing vessels, on the web at flamingfish.net, little ships for big kids. Support for Boat Talk also comes from Front Street Shipyard, a Midcoast, Maine boat building, repair, and storage facility located in Belfast. Front Street Shipyard on Penobscot Bay, offering dockage, service, and amenities for owners, captains, and crew. Online at frontstreetshipyard.com or 930-3740. The Grand and Ellsworth and WERU Community Radio are partnering to present the film A Place at the Table on Friday, June 14th at 7 p.m. at The Grand on Main Street in Ellsworth. A Place at the Table is a new documentary that investigates incidents of hunger experienced by millions of Americans and explores proposed solutions to the problem. A panel discussion and Q&A will follow the film with representatives of local food banks, churches, and our neighbors who are concerned about poverty in Maine. The film is 84 minutes long and is rated PG. For tickets and information, go to grandonline.org or call 667-9500. Support for WERU comes from Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors magazine and show, August 9th through the 11th in Rockland. Art, architecture, furniture, food, live music, and boats, boats, and more boats on the web at mainboats.com. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your host, Alan Sprague, is up next. Good morning, good morning. It's the second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock in the morning. Time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor, and around the world at WERU.org. Boat Talk is your call-in radio show for people contemplating things navels with your rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague, and... Boat Talk is a radio show that's designed to start your mooring off nice in the morning. So Mike Joyce is making in here just in the nick of time. I'm sure he's well prepared to tell us about what's going to be going on in the area nautically. Plenty of time to get here. I, I tried to get some work done before I came here. It's a busy season, you know. Ah, uh, yes. I put my head down and didn't look up, so yeah, plenty got, of time. I got a work story to talk about a little bit later, but uh, what's up? What's up? Well, hell of a question. I can tell you about the Boat Talk Cruise. You want to go to there first? Let's start with the Boat Talk Cruise. That's, boat a, talk cruise that's a good will... idea. I'll get my breath here. Uh, yep. Boat Talk Cruise happens uh, on June 22nd. That's a Saturday, leaving 6 o'clock from Northeast Harbor Town Dock with the cruise ship. Uh, well, I guess it's cruise boat, a tour, tour boat, we'll call it. The Sea Princess, designed by our own Giffy Full. We'll get around to that in just a minute. It's uh, about a three-hour cruise going around the Northeast Harbor area, and then going to go up to Somes Sound, which is a uh, particular topic of uh, concern nowadays because Somes Sound has been degraded from a fjord. It's no longer America's only fjord because it's not a fjord anymore. It's kind of like Pluto is no longer a planet. Who, who says so? The uh, 
Well, I'm not sure if I can give you exact title, but I do have uh, information. I talked to uh, Maine State geologist Giffy and uh, asked him about that. So I got a little little thing to play for you here in a few seconds about uh, the difference between a fjord and a fjord. And we'll be discussing that on the Boat Talk cruise, too, but I'm sure we'll be discussing a lot of other things as we do go by a lot of boat yards and we talk about the boats that we see in the area. And it's a, it's a fun time. And it's also a potluck, too, since it leaves at 6 o'clock. People bring along a little finger food to chew on while we're cruising along there. It's BYOB, and we have a great time. And Giffy, as I said, designed that boat quite a while ago. I believe uh, you uh, started out by designing that boat by carving up a loaf of bread. Is that right, Giffy? Well, yes and no. I mean, that's not 100% correct. And I like to have things be correct. I originated the design, but I'm not a naval architect, and I didn't want to attempt to to put uh, my family's jewelry on the line that way. (laughs) Uh, Wonderful man down in East Booth Bay by the name of Miles Fitch, who worked for Sonny Hodgson, took my drawings and turned them into a superb boat. Yes, Super it is sad. a nice boat. And uh, my brother and I had the first one built. We had two of them built. And there were seven of those boats built all together, which makes me happy because I know it was a good boat. Yeah. And uh, one of them, the second boat we owned years ago has been completely, completely rebuilt and turned into a very fine finished job and now cruises uh, Narragansett Bay under the name of Gansett. 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 And she's a beautiful boat. She really is beautiful. Well, they slip through the water so nicely. Is yeah, what, what they're a clean running boat and uh, very efficient and a very, very good sea boat. Uh, and uh, the uh, the Miss Lizzie, the mail boat to, to Idaho, is one of those boats with a different deck layout. And the Sea Princess is another one with a different layout. Yeah, it has the cabin way forward. So way you forward. Get a lot for, of room for, for seats. For a little different use, yeah. you know, a little different use. And that's uh, totally acceptable. The boat's got to do the job that it's uh, built for. Yeah. So, but... It's a fine boat, and I'm happy about it. Mm-hmm. Not to put down marine architects and all the math they do and, and the uh, safety involved in a passenger boat, but it's a case of it looks right, it is right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's somewhat true. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Um, back to the uh, Soam Sound controversy and the... Uh, now, it's just been sitting the, there, Alan. Soam Sound hasn't done nothing. Pluto is just orbiting, okay, and it's yeah. not a planet. Soam Sound just sitting there hasn't done nothing. Right, yeah. How do Pluto and, and uh, Soam Sound feel about this? But there, there is a classification, uh, geologically speaking, of fjords. It's spelled F-J-O-R-D, if you want to be correct about it. Pronounced fjord. Uh, which is a geological or uh, uh, glacial feature of uh, shorelines where glaciers carve deep valleys that open out into the ocean. Uh, and so I, on a boat talk cruise a couple of years ago, somebody brought up the, uh, the fact that Soam Sound had been declassified from a fjord down to a fjord, and we thought that was pretty, uh, well... Basically, shocking, absolutely shocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of little consequence, really, but interesting. So, uh, just recently, I called up the Maine State geologist and 
asked for the real truth on, on whether or not there is a, a, a fjord or a fjord or what, what the story is. So he started out explaining the, the difference between fjords and fjords, and here he is. This is uh, Steve Dixon of the Maine State Geology. The, uh, the interesting features it does have are the steep uh, walls in the valley down inside. Yes. And the fjords tend to have a U-shaped valley, and the, the shape of the U is cut out by glacial ice. Soam Sound was carved out by ice in that same shape. So there, fjords and fjords in that sense are both formed by glacial ice and have sort of always oh, like siblings or, or twins, but uh, they're not identical, but they're very similar. So, in my view, there's always got to be somebody come along and spoil something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that, that interview kind of stopped right in the middle there. I'm not yeah, sure just yeah. what happened with it. Well, he had we... too many complaints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's funny. It worked perfectly at home. Not coming back, I believe. Um, what it comes down to is we're proud of our fjord. Yeah. And it's, it's bragging a, rights. It certainly is, especially yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the Chamber of Commerce, you know, always is talking about, try, let's try it again one more time, Amy. The, uh, the interesting features it does have are the steep uh, walls in the valley down inside. Yes. And the fjords tend to have a U-shaped valley, and the, the shape of the U is cut out by glacial ice. Soam Sound was carved out by ice in that same shape. So there, fjords and fjords in that sense are both formed by glacial ice and have sort of always oh, as like siblings or, or twins, but uh, they're not identical, but they're very similar. So, just why has Soam Sound been reclassified? Soam Sound is really a little bit too shallow, and the tidal mixing is, is too strong to really have it be a true fjord. Based on the water quality and the, the circulation, it doesn't uh, qualify as a fjord. That's the bottom line, folks. Too much circulation. The lack of what you and I would call a dead zone somewhere on the bottom. So, with some sound thinking, I propose to Steve our Boat Talk to the Rescue plan. We're going to make a granite plaque that says, We love the Grateful Dead. Save our fjords supporters can have their names engraved on the plaque which we will drop overboard somewhere in some sound, thereby creating an official dead zone. And here's what Steve had to say about that. <laughs> and add the dead zone feature. Dead that, zone. that would have a dead zone in yeah. it. Yeah. Then we might have to revisit the classification. Yeah. So there you go. We, we got a chance to save the sound after all. <laughs> We're going to be exploring that on the Boat Talk Cruise. That's on June 22nd, 6 p.m. Call, give Chris... Chris, a call here at the station at 469-6600 if you'd like to have some tickets on this grand adventure. I say bragging rights trump science. <laughs> you know, don't let science get in the way of a good story when you're trying to brag something up. Yeah. Why don't you take the geologist with you and give him a special cruise? Well, he could be an interesting guest sometime, could be, couldn't yeah. he? Yeah. Well, Give him a call, see what he says. <laughs> well, let's uh, uh, finish up with the cruise here. The boat is covered. People ask me, uh, uh, yes. does it go in all weathers? Yes. And we've had particularly nice cruise on a, on a pretty misty day or two. Mm -hmm. It's totally covered. And uh, you can also stick your head out the side and be uncovered if you want. Um, 
The capacity of the boat is um, 60 odd people, I think, uh, or 60 regular people uh, on a good day. Well, we don't know very many regular people. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. And uh, I forget how many we take, but we don't overpack the boat, although every time the boat has been sold out. Um, what we do is use the engine box in the middle of the boat for a buffet table and people circulate around and uh, nobody's ever had a bad time on the boat talk cruise i believe i can say that and not even have to brag yep and there's some, some pretty tasty things that people bring in to share too it's it's a fun time now i'm thinking um got my old regular you know i make this uh feta sp- uh, spinach quiche uh, oh yeah karen frangoulis uh passed down to me years ago and people love that and i'm mm-hmm. thinking maybe i i hesitate to say it i could learn a new trick you know <laughs> well, I gotta, I gotta sounds tired. good to me well <laughs> yeah. you haven't had none of that quiche yet so anyway um but uh it's a great time to bring your favorite little trick and put it out on the engine box byob uh we love to bring kids as well and uh your kid can actually drive the boat as well. Um, that happens fond, too. Yeah, fond memories of uh, several kids steering the boat. It ain't hard to do, and um, they have a pretty good time. You'll be amazed to know if you have kids that in the boat talk world, kids under 12 are free. All right, we do have a phone call, so let's let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Oh, I guess they uh, our CD player is kicked over to the telephone, too. So we'll go right back to some more uh, waterfront news. One, one thing in the paper this morning, interesting, was a, I believe it's 90-year-old lobster fisherman sank his boat and swam, got ashore on a rock, and <laughs> and his sons came and found him. I well, didn't see that. Yeah. yeah. Where was that at? Oh, I, I, I don't know exactly. I didn't get to read the whole thing. I saw it. And Somewhere here local, though. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty interesting. Now. 90, 90 years old, so boy. there's hope for me. <laughs> I read about a fellow recently, and he he's um, of advanced age as well, and his wife does not like him to go out alone. You know, always insists that he take a stern man, but the fellow being kind of independent and never had a stern man most of his life, sometimes goes out with his dog. And he gets to tell the wife, I wasn't alone. <laughs> but again, you would think oh, yeah. that uh, possibly somebody would be with him on a, uh, you know, on a working day like that if he's 90 years old and still out there doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Safety first is, uh, you know, and the, the safety culture of lobstermen is interesting. They, of course, are, if they're ever in the water, they're doing it wrong. They try to spend their whole lives never being in the water. <laughs> And when you find yourself in the water all of a sudden, um, now what are you going to do? They don't wear life jackets. I've never seen a lobster wear a life jacket. Well, I know one man now that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, you'd say, a form-fitting survival Mm -hmm. vest. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty rare, though. So it's not really too uncomfortable for him to work in. Right. I I have a similar problem. I kids expect me to wear one and sometimes i do and sometimes i don't well i'd love to talk with you about that giffy because uh that's coming on in my world too and i basically hardly ever do um and again i kind of have a plan when i hit the water i can swim like a fish Hmm. um that's my plan but that that doesn't mean you weren't 
happens on the you, head yeah. on your way in. You know? Well, that isn't the way it happens because the water is uh, cold here, and the facts are that about 90% of the older people that fall overboard don't come back. They have yeah. a heart attack. They have a yeah. heart attack. Wait. Okay. All right. We have a phone call. Let's go, let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Nope. Same people. Not as yet. Before. Well, we are. Uh, give us a couple minutes here. We're going to talk to um, uh, a new uh, sailing program called Hots Heart of the Storm this morning. We'll get them on the phone in a few minutes, but we still got other business to to plow through here. One of them I just read that. Uh, Old Ironsides, USS Constitution, is going to go for sale again this summer. Yeah. And the last time it went for sale was apparently uh, 1997, and, and you were involved in that, weren't you, Giffy? That's correct. In a minor way, yeah, I was involved in that. How so? Well, um, my then associate, Paul Haley, and I did a survey on her and to determine if she's structurally sound to sale. And uh, we believe she certainly was. Giffy. And, she, and she proved it. You've surveyed a lot of vessels. Would that qualify as a uh, kind of a high point or at least an unusual vessel in, in your experience? Oh, yeah. She's unusual. There's a lot of unusual vessels around. I mean, look at the job they're doing on the Morgan at Mystic. I mean, I think it's wonderful to save a, an old ship like that. And there's still some of her that's original. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry, I don't have the article right with me here, but the plan is on uh, Guerriere Day. The Guerriere was uh, one of uh, Constitution's great victories. Yeah. Um, it was an English ship of uh, similar size, and the first time an American boat had had beat a British boat of similar size and gunnage. Um, that was also that was also the. Uh, that was also the fight where Old Ironsides got her nickname, Old Ironsides, um, for the uh, shot bouncing off her yeah. oak hull. And uh, so the plan is on Guerriere Day that they will uh, take the boat out into the harbor. They're going to point it out of the harbor and raise as many as four sails. And for ten minutes, yeah. they are going to point the boat uh, towards the exit to Boston Harbor. Then they're going to turn around, come back to the dock, and and uh, you know have the rest of the celebration. Four sails, huh? How yeah, long? that's kind of ridiculous because uh, you know, in a way, uh, I'm not trying to be critical, but she could carry a lot more than that, and it wouldn't even bother her. Yeah. You, know? you would hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many sails do you think it has when it's on? Full? I don't know. I don't know. I can, I probably a dozen anyway. Oh yeah. You can. Giffy, I'd love to show you. I grew up with a watercolor. It's it's in my bedroom to this day of uh, old Ironsides, um, you know, in a wooden frame on my wall there, and. I've been looking at that since I was a kid, and we're uh, looking at it at an angle to the starboard bow sailing to us. It's got too many sails aloft. It's the rig is wrong. You can't see the masts or anything, but there's just yeah. there's a uh, there's too many too many square sails up there. And obviously, the artist uh, he did a good job with the ocean and the boat, but he didn't know nothing about square riggers. So, okay, we're going to try one more time to see if we can make our phones work. Good morning, welcome to Boat Talk. Hmm. Apparently, uh, I got a note in my hand. Um, in my hand here, uh, Amy just handed us phone lines not working. Yeah, well, that's because we're trying to call out. Now, it may still work if you want to try calling in, but I nope, nope. They say no, it's not going to work that way either. Uh oh. Oh, 
Well, so so much for the call-in radio show. This is just going to be a, a boating radio show for today. That's okay. We get Jeez, plenty think, to talk about. Think we can talk for forty-some uh, <laughs> minutes? That'll be that'll be a challenge. Yeah. Um, well, you you just never know around boat talk. Sometimes um, old Ironsides, though. As I say, I grew up. Uh, Mom used to haul us down to Boston. We'd go to the Museum of Science, Old Ironsides, and Filene's basement. And I, I've always loved the Museum of Science, Science, and uh, Old Ironsides. And I hope never to find myself in Filene's basement under a table ever again. Didn't like the subways when I was what, a kid either. What people forget is back in the early '30s. I can't remember the exact year. But the, the old Ironsides went completely around the country. Hmm. On a goodwill tour. Yep. Sort yep. of thing, yep. yep. Wow. Yep. All right, we have another. We're going to try again for the phone call. See <laughs> one last time if this works. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Yes, hi, it's Christina. Oh, good. And Nielsen. Yes, we feel better now. Oh, good. Welcome to Boat Talk, Christina. Thank you. Um, you are trying to uh, set up a uh, a sailing adventure, I guess we'll call it, for uh, teenagers. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. It's, it's called Heart of the Storm, and it's a sailing, um, sail island expedition for teenagers in Maine. And it's out of Blue Hill, and this will be our first season. Last year, last summer, we did a, a couple of pilots that were very successful, so we're ready to do two nine-day programs this year. Okay, um, it's a, it's a pretty difficult adventure uh, making your boat into a, a boat that can carry. Uh, I guess you're planning on six kids at a time. Yep. Um, what are you doing to your boat to, to make that possible? And what what is the boat like? Um, well, it's, I'll let you I'll let Nielsen tell you more about the boat. Yeah, we have problems with the we have problems here with the connection, so it's difficult to hear you at the same time, but. Uh, you, you were, uh, could you repeat that question? Well, I guess we're just starting with the boat and like you to describe the boat and what you're doing to make it so you can carry uh, six kids at a time. Yeah, okay. Well, it's, um, uh, it's a 42-foot uh, all-teak uh, catch that was built over in Hong Kong uh, in 1968, and uh, uh, it's uh, been a process to uh, restore it. We uh, brought it over from Long Island and, and essentially inherited it from a very uh, generous uh, individual who knew what we wanted to do with it. Um, she lays out very nicely inside in that she uses everything that she's gotten internally in space uh, from stem to stern. Um, she has two quarter berths and um, a, a wonderful salon uh, and then uh, several cabins up forward. So altogether we can we can take uh, the two facilitators, um, or rather the facilitator who is myself, uh, a captain uh, who's in charge of the boat, and uh, uh, up to six kids. Um, so, and everybody has a bunk, but it's, it's uh, overall, I would say it's a very uh, close uh, quarters type of experience. In the boat world, um, there's something called a six-pack license, which is what you're operating under. And the reason for six kids, basically, is that's the capacity uh, legally for your captain to take people out for hire. Um, and, again, just filling in the background here of uh, how, how the boat world works. Um, you're not a licensed captain, Nielsen. 
No, I'm, I am not a licensed captain. Um, that, that's not my focus. Uh, my focus is to uh, be in uh, with the kids and participating with them uh, in the experience and to have someone else who is dedicated to, uh, you, know, you know, what it means to uh, keep, keep the full attention on the, on the boat itself. So we share, uh, we, you know, we share the duties across um, uh, everyone on board, but uh, the captain is uh, taking on that special role of, you know, being in charge. Uh, of the boat. Also, we're going off the boat uh, quite a bit onto uh, local islands, and so uh, we, you know, we need somebody to stay with with the vessel. How did how did uh, this whole idea come to you? Okay, well, uh, you know, my years of experience in sailing and uh, being on the water uh, as a as a child uh, certainly uh, my greatest. Uh, uh, excitement was about um, the uh, the adventure of going from one place to another, and you know, discovering new lands and and being uh, with others in that in that uh, voyage, uh, and the the kind of uh, time that uh, that takes over when you're on a boat. Um, it's a it's a very special, unique experience, unlike um, many others, and uh, that uh, that idea uh, to work with kids uh, really came out of a need to um, find a way to, to, you know, to make a connection um, with kids and, and with my own four children, uh, uh, realizing the, the challenges of having uh, teenagers and um, uh, young people uh, and, you know, helping them find a meaningful way to connect, uh, you know, to the real world and, and not simply a cerebral uh, intellectual process, but something that was uh, riveting which um, and engaging, which I, I think you know, boats in the water. Uh, no matter what you do or what kind of program you have, uh, or where you go, uh, or what you're teaching, and, uh, you know, just getting out in a boat is is an amazing experience. But for me, it's more about the voyage, and I wanted to share that with um, with as many kids as possible and keep it small. So you know, we 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 have a six pack uh, license. Captain actually's got. Um, he, he's, he's got more uh, licensure, uh, higher capacity than that. But the idea is to keep the group small and keep the program uh, intimate, so we're not, uh, you know, we're not getting a, a large group uh, out there. So, boat talk theory that we're all looking for our childhood happy place. You know, I think that's why I'm a boat builder. It was one of my uh, right. favorite things as a kid. You know, and and. Uh, Peter Pan don't want to grow up, and he still wants to be in that happy place. Uh, so, and again, uh, you know, that's that's a uh, that's a good thing. What what else have you been doing? Uh, what what have you been doing uh, up until? It sounds like this is a life changer for you. Well, it, it's a life change, yes, um, but it's it's a longstanding uh, vision. We've we, my wife and I have uh, had this vision ever since we moved to Maine ten years ago. And we moved away from, you know, uh, uh, Acropolis living and into a more natural setting as we have, in, you know, we enjoy here in, in this area, uh, especially with the connection to the sea. So, uh, but I, you know, I think we gradually were able to start putting uh, together the, the underpinnings of this program, which, you know, it's, it's an extensive uh process and um you know it's very physical because of uh, the acquisition of a boat and it has to be the right boat and um then putting together a, a game plan and 
you know, everything from that going over to the other side of administrative uh, process of, you know, the 501c3 status and, uh, you know, just putting together a nonprofit and, and learning how to do that before you can even get out there. Um, so it's, uh, I've, I've been in other uh, businesses and in other, you know, social climates where I've worked a lot with people and with young people and in therapeutic uh, situations. Um, but this, uh, yeah, this, this transitions it out onto the water, which is pretty darn exciting for us. Now, Nielsen, um, I checked out your, your website, which is heartofthestorm.com, I believe. No, it's heartofthestorm.org. Dot, yeah. dot org. Okay, thank you. Um, and in that, it says your 5013C is still pending. Is that been? Yeah, that, that's actually correct. Thank you for that correction. Um, it, it is, uh, it has been turned in, and we're, um, we're excited to be, you know, hearing back from uh, from them shortly. So we're, we're very confident that we're um, moving along the right uh, path at this point with that. Okay. Um, I was talking with a, a marine insurance friend of mine the other day, um, and the subject of uh, taking uh, kids out on the water came up, and he said that there's a... Uh, um, a, an emerging problem, I guess we'll call it, with that concerning, uh, especially when you take out both uh, boys and girls, males and females, uh, there's very, uh, as far as the insurance companies are concerned, very uh, large concern for sexual harassment or sexual problems that may develop uh, in that situation. So they uh, are making the insurance quite expensive for that sort of thing. Um, that and plus uh, the fact that your, your boat is 45 years old, but uh, mm -hmm. I can't say the best for what I've seen of the Taiwanese boats. And uh, one that's 45 years old, I'm sure is going to take a lot of uh, a lot of money too. It's it seems like a, a, a pretty steep hill that you're going to be climbing to try to establish a new business like this. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a steep hill. I think that's that's correct to say. I'm not sure that uh, we are looking at the insurance as being, um, you know, uh, being that much of a problem. Um, uh, you know, sexual harassment and these concerns about, uh, you know, mixed groups of kids on a boat, uh, that, that's always going to be an issue. I think it's, um, it's always wise for parents, you know, to be checking out the people that they're sending their kids with um, and making sure that they have the qualifications and also you know where they're going uh we are staying you know very close to shore um we're not going out into any open water um we are you know we have we have multiple backup systems and we're constantly in touch with um you know with with uh, uh our departure and, and and destination points um and you know so it's it's a it, the whole thing is a is a an upward uh I don't want to say battle, but it's it is a it's a challenge, and uh, it's one that we gladly face because it's uh, it, it, it's very rewarding. And so far, it's been very rewarding, uh, and I think we have the support of the community, and we have a lot of people uh, coming in and helping us in this project. So it's we're not doing this alone. I just um, run into a situation where an insurance agent is trying to claim that the moss on the barn roof is a deal breaker <laughs> you know just for example yeah <laughs> it seems kind of silly to me yeah. but uh you know insurance companies are insurance companies so yeah 
Yeah, well, and the other thing is um, Aliento is, is fully insured. Um, one of the things about this boat is that it's, it's, it's atypical in terms of um, uh, boats build, uh, built overseas um, in that part of the world. She's, uh, I think she uh, came in under the, under the line in terms of uh, still being built with um, a very, very high level of uh, uh, craftsmanship. And I think anybody who takes a good look at her uh, is duly impressed. We've had, you know, we've had surveyors on her and we've had all kinds of input from, from different uh, people within the boating world. Uh, quite experienced people who, you know, who've been a part of restoring her. And um, again, we, we didn't get her in an unrestored state, but we did want to uh, check her out thoroughly and make some improvements. So that's what we've been doing this winter. But she's a very, very safe boat, very stout. So it was surveyed recently? Uh, yeah, we've, we've been uh, working with a survey. I'm not going to mention his name here, but he's, um, he's been following her the entire time. And uh, the, the survey is uh, informing, you know, the repairs that we're making on the boat. So boat's hoping to go in the water at the end of the week here. What's, yes. uh, what happens after that? Well, after that, uh, on the, uh, what is it, on Tuesday the 20, 25th. 25th, we're going to have uh, the first of um, a weekly uh, boat outing where we take people. It's a, Basically, it's an echo tour, and we have... Um, uh, we have a naturalist on board, and that's uh, you know that's free. So um, kids can give us a call, and they can uh, uh, you know get signed up to go out um, for a um, you know four hour uh, trip on Blue Hill Bay, and we probably will stop and hike and uh, have a snack, and then uh, that's that's our first trip. Um, and the big nine day trip, we're going to do that once a week, every week uh, on Tuesdays. And then uh, on, um, yeah, on the 20, 22nd of, or the 19th, rather, of July, we're going to be heading out on our first uh, nine-day uh, expedition voyage. And uh, we're going to be play, visiting places like Frenchboro, uh, with, you know, it's, it's out on Long Island, and uh, Isla Ho, um, Mount Desert Island and that area, Somme Sound. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a great time on that trip. There's a number of different things we're going to do with, uh, you know, different facilitators we meet along the way, um, including a um, uh, one of the first things we're doing is, is actually doing a first aid course, um, which will go over, uh, you know, life-saving uh, practices uh, for choking and uh, resuscitation and that sort of thing. So it's, um, it's, it's going to be a good trip. How highly structured uh, have you imagined these trips? I, I used to have a fellow who... Um, he pre-planned all his trips in his in his living room in right. Santa Fe in the springtime, and he was unhappy to deviate from that plan. And the plans never come true, and he was always frustrated. And he was always right. saying, "I've got to learn to go with the flow, Mike." And so, how you know you're you're trying to envision this? You got to envision some structure right. and stuff, but uh, you got to leave some room there too, don't you? Yes, I'm going to turn you over to Christina so she can answer that for you. But I, I would start by saying it's. Uh, there is a lot of unstructured time in a, in a loose structure. So who she is? Yeah, so we basically have created a, something that we would love to do ourselves and that gets people excited. But, of course, when you go on a boat, you know, it's, you have to kind of go where the, where the wind blows you. So there's nothing set in concrete. It's just a basic plan for the, for the nine days to try to get everything in there. So that's what we're doing with the... 
with the events. And the basic idea is to get kids out of their bubble. Well, yeah, you know, the, everybody is kind of in the in the mental zone, and we want to bring people down to the heart. We want them, not that we want them, but when you go onto a boat, it's just everything on the land drops away, and it's this, as you know, this wonderful feeling of adventure comes, and you start living from more of an intuitive place rather than a mental place. And so bringing a group of kids out there and having them have that experience um, is is part of our mission here. Well, there's nothing wrong with what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's wonderful to have the kids out and not in front of a computer. Yeah, oh, I know. And, you know, I, I did a um, semester at sea when I was in, in college, and I couldn't believe you know, how much it changed my perspective on things. You know, I was living for two months on a boat and I had a backpack full of stuff and that was all I had. And it was just a major eye-opening experience. And so I want to keep spreading that light, keep spreading that word. And, and through our, our teen program, you know, we're trying to get teens at an age where they're just going through all kinds of stuff. So just to release and relax and be out on the water and kind of be in the rhythm of nature is, is you know, is my mission. Mm -hmm. Well, Christina, we're fortunate to live in, in a great area where there are quite a few, uh, uh, I guess we'll call them organizations that offer uh, adventures for children, teenagers, to get out on the water in various different forms. And if I were a parent of a teenager and uh, contemplating sending my child off for a week or two on an adventure, why? Uh, what? What is it about Heart of the Storm that would make me pick it over some of these other uh, already established organizations? Well, I think that um, it's another one of these great sailing programs, and that they're all wonderful. It just kind of works. It, it's it's what works best and what people are intuitively attracted to. So if they want to camp, you know, they do one thing, or if they want to race, they do another thing. I know have some of my kids are just totally into racing, so they wouldn't be as excited to sail leisurely through the islands. So I think it's, they're all, they all have their wonderful um, gifts, like all these different programs on the peninsula and even in Maine. It's just about what attracts a person to to a certain boat or to a certain group or, you know, how they, what they feel about it when they read about it. That's kind of how I do everything. Like, well, there's so many to choose from. Which one kind of pulls me in? Mm -hmm. So it's very individual in that sense. How do people get a hold of you, Christina? Well, our website is great. It's heartofthestorm.org. Um, they can call me. Do you want my phone number? Sure. <laughs> it's um, 207-664-8004. And, yeah, those are the best ways. And Hold on. So Nielsen wants to say one last thing, too. Okay. Yeah, Christina had some great things to say about, um, you know, just looking over these different organizations and seeing what, what appeals um, to you personally? I think there there are some other differences. Um, we have uh, there there are larger organizations and smaller organizations, and we try to 
Um, you know, we're small, focusing on a smaller group, um, but I think it's important uh, to point out that anybody who's looking at a sailing experience uh, should realize that with Heart of the Storm, we are not focused on uh, sailing or teaching sailing per se. I mean, that happens on the trip. What we're focused on is, uh, you know, getting these kids out together and um, giving them opportunities to connect with one another and, uh, you know, with the adults uh, in a way that, um, you know, they, they may have not been able to. Um, a, a lot of that has to do with just getting onto these islands and getting out onto the water. Um, it's rejuvenating and it's, it's opening. It's an opening experience. And so we, we're, we're focused on that. And it's not therapeutic. It's, it's a camp feeling. Um, it's very, you know, it's very light uh, in, its, in its feel. Um, but the, there is a serious nature to it, and that is that we're listening. And uh, we're more about having these kids, um, you know, kind of opening our arms to these kids saying, you know, come on board and teach us something. Not that we have, um, you know, so much that we want to impose upon them uh, in teachings or anything else. So it's a time to, um, it's a time to connect. And, and I think that is what sets it apart. There are some things that we do in the activities that are different, but... Um, uh, I think that's the that's probably the biggest uh, the biggest thing. The other part of it is that we want to try to connect the program to the community itself. So, coming back to um, uh, to hold on, Christina, what? Yeah, coming back to the community. What we're trying to do is to get people who may have the wherewithal uh, financially to contribute to kids who want to go on this trip who might otherwise not be able to go. So we're really struggling to find ways. Um, to meet the challenge of getting local kids or kids that are in the area who have a strong tie to the area. So we're, we're only working with Washington uh, and Hancock County. You know, we're, we're really trying to get kids from this area, or again, if there's summer kids or whatnot, um, a strong connection to the area to get them out in the boat and finding the money to make that possible. And, and that's where we draw in the larger community and, um, and, and bridges connections between uh, these kids and the community back home. Then when we get back home, uh, we're, we're taking films on the, on the boat. The kids have cameras. Uh, we put together a nice presentation, and then we bring that around to, to schools and libraries and nursing homes and whatnot, to the people who contributed. And it's this idea that, you know, the boat is not just a boat out on a, uh, you know, it's not its own little island sailing out there. It's, it's, it's tied and connected to, um, to the shore. And I think we're all... We're all wondering, you know, and, and we're all wondering what's going on in the world. We're all trying to find our way. There's a lot of a uh, lot of work to go from frightened to enlightened. That bridge, uh, crossing that together and supporting one another in that process. So we're we're trying to make it both land sea uh, a land sea experience. Nielsen, I got to ask you, um, where's the name Heart of the Storm come from? <laughs> okay, well. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I've always been fascinated by the fact that you're in a storm and then suddenly there's this calm. And I remember the, the big storms in Connecticut, uh, how, that, how that was to, uh, to grow up with that on the sound. And um, that always fascinated me. I think that's where we can all, uh, we, we can't do away with the storm in our lives. Um, quite often we're, you know, we're in circumstances that, that are hard to change. And I think it's, it's a matter of finding that place and that calm within ourselves where we can, um, you know, have a, have stable perspective and we can make just you know healthy decisions about how to move forward 
uh, through the complexity. And then it becomes an adventure, you know, whereas if we're always wrapped up in the surrounding circumstances and, and issues, then, you know, we never really can uh, uh, get a breath of air, you know, um, and have that sobriety to, uh, uh, to affect our lives, uh, to, to intervene in our own affairs and make better choices. I've been in a couple big storms at sea, and and I intend to spend the rest of my career trying not to be in any more right. big storms at sea. Right. Um, you know that's part of the art of uh, yeah uh, seamanship is avoiding uh, stormy areas. Yeah. And um, the other thing you know that I would put in there is is has uh, caused me a lot of thought. Uh, both storms, half the people on the boat quit. Right. We're gonna die can't can't take right. this you know i quit can't do nothing about it and um boy you talk about an eye opener yeah yeah it is it is um so you i have three c's crisis calamity catastrophe um anybody who sets out with a deadline um they're they're already they've already stepped into um you know in, into that calamity um uh, and of course one step closer to um, to, to fatality or, or really serious accident. I think it's terrible to uh, to to have a very uh, uh, hard uh, deadline in terms of uh, where you're headed. So um, we you know we we are we're very conscious of what the weather is doing, and that that's actually another very good reason to have a, to separate the responsibility of captain from facilitator. Um, you know, to have these two people who can uh, talk about and make discernments about, you know, what's going on in the weather and, and, and deadlines and goals and so on. Um, that's, that, that's a very, you know, that's, that's a group effort as well. So, we're yeah, talk- we're very concerned about safety on the water. Yeah. We're uh, speaking with uh, Nielsen and Christina this morning. They're uh, founding a new organization called Heart of the Storm. And again, uh, heartofthestorm.org. And uh, thanks for speaking with us this morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck. 1-866-625-9378 is the number into Boat Talk. If you have anything you'd like to talk about, I have uh, one other item here that we can get to. If nothing else is on the agenda. Your Slocum gliders? Slocum gliders. I've got a Slocum glider thing, too. Oh, you do? Yeah, you've been mentioning that to me on and off, and I, I... you know, but I found a connection, so okay. you go right ahead. Well, I'm going to let the phone call come in. We do have another phone call. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. This is Captain Yo. Good morning, Yo. I've been a sailor my whole life, and sailing is one of the most sublime experiences that anyone could have. Heart of the Storm sounds like a fabulous organization. I would like, however, to point out to listeners that staying near shore having backup systems, and staying in touch are no prophylactic against trouble on the water. One of the most serious hazards on the water is a feeling of safety, complacency, thinking that you're okay. One of the most important things, or I should say the most important things that anyone can learn in a boat are uh, self-reliance, a cooperation, and vigilance. Thanks so much for putting on this program, and thanks to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Don't go too quick, Yo. Uh, Yo owns a 
a fantasy object to me, a, a beautiful little pinky schooner called Annie McGee. Uh, where's Annie at this this spring? Well, um, she's under a roof, which is good, in an unheated building, which is good. Um, I am starting to work on her. <laughs> it's been pretty cold in May in an unheated shed. My problem this year is uh, having been in a heated building for three years, she got pretty dry, and one of her garbage developed a check, and that kept me pumping last season pretty frantically, and uh, I'm hoping that I can stop that leak. However, I inspected it the other day, and though I can see the rust weep where the water came out, the check is so small that I don't, I, I don't know what I can get into it or how I can fix it. Dave Hancock, uh, who's been working on the Sabina Beal, said, oh, just put tar and sheet lead, and that'll last as long as you'll live. Well, uh, that seemed a little coarse to me. Giffy was nodding. <laughs> oh, Giffy likes that idea. He well, nodded. Uh, it, okay. It's done. It's been done for hundreds of years. Very probably. traditional. And it's called, uh, in the old days, it's called a tingle. A, a tingle. tingle. Yeah. We got better stuff than roofing tires uh, now. No, roofing tires does, don't laugh. It does, it really does great things if used properly. Yeah. Same the as other thing paper. you could very simply do is take a router and route it out and glue in a spline. That would help. Yeah, make it enlarge it and then uh, yeah. put some glue something properly in there. Well, both of those alternatives are a lot more attractive than cutting out a new garbage. Ooh, that's yeah, a, I, I used a, it's a tricky project. Plank that was 18 inches wide to get that out. Yeah. And I don't know if I could ever find that again. Well, thanks again for the program, gentlemen. Thank you, yo. Thank you, yo. Thank you. Thank you. We're uh, getting towards uh, the uh, last part of boat talk here, and Alan, you're going to tell us about these Slocum gliders. Well, I have a pre-recorded little bit where I've been doing some research on Slocum gliders, and it's. I'm afraid we don't have time to play at all, so we're going to put that off until next month. We'll just briefly tell you what Slocum gliders are for people who might like to do a little research. Um, they are a unmanned underwater vehicle, glider, that... Uh, can change its buoyancy from positive to negative by uh, expanding and contracting a little oil bladder inside of it. <clears throat> so uh, this glider sets off with a negative buoyancy and it sort of glides downhill until it reaches about 4,000 feet where it has a sensor that tells it to turn the uh, the oil bladder on which expands and makes it lighter than water so a little glide back up to the surface and while it's gliding up and down doing this zigzag pattern it can be uh, gathering information and some people are using it to track whales which I think is an excellent idea because they can tell where the whales are anywhere in the water rather than waiting for them to come to the surface and find out where they are so they're using them for uh, ship avoidance with right whales in particular, uh, locating where the right whales are and putting up notices to mariners, which I think is an excellent idea for ship strikes, which is a serious problem for whales. But um, these Slocum gliders can be used for a lot of other things, too. There's already been one sent by um, Rutgers Uni University in New, Jer New Jersey. They sent one all the way across the Atlantic Ocean over to uh, Spain, all all by itself, just going up and down, up and down, all the way over across the ocean. No, no propeller or anything. It only it only propels itself by gliding. Interesting. Um, I was going to uh, throw in the whale angle myself. 
And, uh, yeah, they've been uh, uh, deploying sensors on them. They can listen for whale calls. They can uh, do salinity, uh, temperature, and, and that kind of stuff. They All can look stuff, for yeah. concentrations of plankton, mm-hmm. among other things. Now, I just delivered a uh, boat over to Nova Scotia a couple weeks ago, a power boat. And uh, we had trouble... I, we snagged uh, more lobster line on that trip than I have probably in my life. And here's the thing. When you get over into Nova Scotia waters, they're all fishing floating rope over there. And if we remember on the coast of Maine in the last couple of years, all the fishermen have been forced to to uh, change to sinking rope and quite a lot of uh, you know stress on that. Imagine how much fish is in that. I'm, I'm sorry, how much uh, rope is in that fishery. The, uh, I was very surprised to get over to Nova Scotia and find all this floating rope on the surface. And I mean scads of it. Um, because of the big tide coming up on Yarmouth and, and also to the east of Yarmouth, um, you can come up on a lobster buoy and find as much as, as my friend Edgar said, 10 to 20 fathoms, 60 to 120 feet of line laying on the surface. But we have before one. you get to the buoy. Yeah, one, one more phone call. Trying to squeeze in here before the end of the hour. Let's let's be polite and go to them. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. You gonna be polite to me? <laughs> it's Michael. <laughs> How you been? All right. Really great show, guys. And uh, I'm I'm with the uh, um, the uh, the routing out and putting a spline in the garbage for the repair there. I've done that a bunch of times, but okay, I wanted Michael, to throw well, in a little qu- historical fact here for All the right. Constitution versus the Guerriere. Being of British origin, you know, I'm driven to to make sure that that, that my country gets a fair shake here. So no way. Both, <laughs> even though both these vessels are technically frigates, if you look up the history of the Constitution and her sisters, they were actually three deck ship of the line. Uh, design with the top deck left off. And uh, <clears throat> to give you an idea, this was really, in World War II terms, this was a battleship versus a heavy cruiser. So the Constitution, 44-gun rated, she actually carried in this battle 56 guns, 24 of them were 32-pounders, 30 of them were 24-pounders, and she had two 18-pounders, and she had 476 men aboard. Um, and, of course, the men did a lot of the fighting. They were the original Marines. And uh, the Guerriere was a fifth-rated frigate, British frigate, and she carried 38 18-pounders, period. 263 men, of which some were actually American, and Captain Richard uh, Dockray actually let them stand down from their stations as they were engaging an American ship. It's a fascinating battle. They opened fire on each other just 25 yards apart. 25 yards. Can you imagine? And um, they collided three times, and it was the third collision that actually got the bowsprit of the Constitution hooked in the headstay of the Guerriere and, and ripped her entire rig down. Well, they'd already brought the mizzen down with cannon fire, but ripped the rest of the rig came down, and that was the end of the battle. The British captain struck his colors to save lives, and, um, and yeah, it was... Uh, a big morale booster for for uh, for 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 the American side in the War of 1812, but um, it wasn't really an even battle. They've called them both frigates, but it, it really yeah. was um, the, the the British frigate was. Well, very, I'm glad to know the truth. <laughs> and here well, we are again, introducing facts when we're looking for just pure yeah, brag. Our fjord is gone. <laughs> Never let the facts get in the way of a good story, right? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Never. That would be it exactly. We appreciate your point of view, though, Michael. 
Anyway, well, you know, it's all it's all in um, it, in the end. Most of us came from the same place anyway. But uh, there you go. You have a great another great show. Keep up the good work, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll hope for the rain to stop. Michael, I got one quick question for you, though. You're in favor of routing out a, a check and a spline. How do you actually route it? Do you freehand it, or you make some sort of a guide? I make a guide whenever I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, and the and the other the other important thing is to choose a bit when you want to route out something like that. What you want is a spiral wound a spiral wound bit with with the up. You can get spiral bits that that force the material down, and you can get them that pull it up. And what you want is the up, the the, the kind that pulls the the material up out of the out of the bit and towards you and, and the router so it doesn't clog what you're trying to do and, and try to push you around. And always make sure you put the, the guide on the side of the router that, that the, you know, the router, because of the direction it spins, will is possible to push it away from the guide. You want to make sure you run the router in the direction so that it pushes it down onto the guide. That's, that's Good tips. My, All right. Thank you very much. my treatise on that. So... Great show, guys. Thanks very much, and uh, we'll see you next month. Right. Well, speaking of a good boat talk show and next month, I'm not going to be here next month. I'm yeah. going to be out to sea. And um, going to be involved in a very unusual boat delivery for me. Uh, it's a historical recreation. There's a vessel called the Lewis H. Story, and uh, you can Google that, Lewis H. Story. Um, it is a Chabaco schooner. It's a sprit rig schooner. It was built down in Essex, Massachusetts. It's a recreation of a colonial yeah. inshore fishing boat. And a friend of mine runs there. Yeah, the uh, Mount Desert Historical Society has is borrowing it from the Essex Historical Society. Mm-hmm. So the way I understand it, and this voyage is to recreate the voyage once again. Speaking of our fjord there. Uh, recreate the voyage of Abraham Soames. I believe it was 1763. He sailed from Massachusetts down to Soames Sound, Maine with his wife and four daughters. And I guess they stepped on Soames Rock and founded the place. And so on July 9th, the next boat talk, I'm going to be down in Essex, Mass, uh, raising the sprit-rigged uh, schooner. It's got an engine. Mm. And uh, But uh, Google Lewis H. Story. It's a very traditional looking, uh, nothing like I've ever uh, sailed before, but... That's where I'll be next month. What are you going to do? We're going to call you up and talk to you at the beginning of the show. Might be able to do that. On uh, That'll be some history trip in there, won't it? Yeah. The iPhone on the on the old historic schooner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that about winds things up for Boat Talk for this week. Stay tuned for Rich Hillsinger coming up next with On the Wing here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill. Support for Boat Talk made possible in part by Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers.